Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Hello. Hello. How are you doing, good sir? <sighs> I'm okay. I've got my drink. I've got my random word generator in front of me. I've got a friend on the other end of a Skype call. <laughs> Discord. We're going to record a podcast, shall we? Sounds good. <laughs> So I think we're gonna, as usual, play some click pitch. Trevor, mm. do you wanna do you wanna do the little description? Yep. So we've both got a random word generator in front of us on the count of three, two, one, click. We're going to click refresh. And then we're gonna take those two words and sort of mash them together, come up with a couple of game design ideas, and then mm-hmm. click again. I got a brand new word masher this week, so it's gonna get it nice and smooth. I'll just really blend nicely. Three, two, one, click. Asthma. Vote. Wait, what was it? You broke up for a second. Vote. V-O-T-E. <laughs> Vote. <laughs> uh, okay. Asthma. Vote. Okay. So, <laughs> you... <laughs> it's a polling booth management game. Management? Okay. Um, where you're, like, the team leader having to, having to organise, um... Like the lines and all this sort of stuff. So you, okay. you sort of, um, so you get to like lay down tape in the school gym of where people should line up. Yep. Um, yeah. you've, you've got to work out, you know, which people are your fast people that can, can search through names really quickly. You got, um, right. Like, so you got to hire, you got to interview people and they've got their little skills for like observation and, and data entry and, mm-hmm. um, and, I like the idea that this is in the future so that there is actually, like, electronic voting machines instead of stupid paper that we've got here. Um, okay. <laughs> so, you've got, a, they- you've got a technician to- that, that has to go around and, and fix the broken ones when people get annoyed and, and beat the hell out of it. Um, so, where the asthma comes in... That's kind of one of the downsides of, uh, like, uh, electronic voting machines. Is that they can break down. Really, the only thing that can break down on a pe- paper machine is your pencil lead breaks, but anyway. Or fire breaks <laughs> out and then it's all gone. Um, <laughs> these fireproof electronic voting machines, maybe you have to decide how much money to spend on them. Yes, but w- once you put your vote in, it goes up to the cloud and it is just, you know, it's no longer sitting in the, in the premises anymore. Whereas right. all the paper and votes are still there because they're not being sent up to the cloud. And it rains those lovely votes down on whoever hacked the most voting machines. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, sorry, the asthma. <laughs> so, asthma. Um, your guy is prone to like, um, like if he has to move around too fast, he has to use this puffer. But okay. you've only got like one puffer to get you through the day. So it's all about managing how much he has to actually move. <laughs> okay, so there's just a lot of delegation, a lot of pointing. Maybe it's a I feel like this could be a VR game. Oh, that's what, be- that's where I was about to go. The yeah. the idea being that you know, just because there'd be some good <laughs> like physicality around having to bring it up to your mouth and and press the thing, but also yeah, because VR. Generally, you don't want your player to move around too much just because there's not good locomotion options yet. <laughs> do you make them, like, do the, do the arm swinging thing so they actually get a bit puffed out? Like, to move, you have to, like, oh, swing your oh, arms like back the, and forth. Um, the L.A. Noir, swing your arms back and forth to yeah, actually move yeah. forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as you do it, you just hear the breathing of your character get more and more laboured. Um, and, and like, if you do it too much, their vision starts to dim a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then you got, you got to use up one of your precious puffs. Yeah. I like the idea of having a counter of like, as you're shaking it, it sort of, he guesses how many puffs are left in it. Cause oh, I yeah. love the idea ha- of being able to shake it and then haptic feedback, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put one of those joy cons on there. Exactly. No, so how, how many, many ice cubes are left in that thing? Fucking hell. You know we've done that joke too many times when we both go there. Yeah, instantly. I knew that you were about to go there, so I'm like, I've just got to, <laughs> I've got to get in there. I only got two and a half ice cubes left of puffs left in my thing. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but I kind of, I kind of like the idea of a game where you have to in VR 
command people. Like you have to point to people. It's like you go over there and, and you know, some sort of context sensitive thing and they know what to do. Um, it's almost a bit of a real time strategy. I remember back in PS2 days, they were able to actually work out how to do voice control. Like you could do mm-hmm. some, some basic voice, voice commands. Well, oh yeah, they worked it out and then they quickly worked out how annoying it was to play. <laughs> Guess what? They've it's worked back. out it, it's back and it actually it works nice they, and easy. You go over sure, there. I think they've just for, I think they've just forgotten how annoying it is. Fix machine two. <laughs> it really immersive. Right. Yep. And so uh, no, it's all right. I won't get. <laughs> I was going to go down some political path, but it's fine. We'll leave it there. You don't need to go down a political path because this is the local election. So you know, it's just for something. So there's no. <laughs> There's no politics involved. <laughs> Definitely not. It's a very small town. There's only one one candidate. Uh, one, but, one candidate anyway. But so. everyone has to um has to vote. Well, they could still do write-in votes, I guess. Uh, and so is there? Well, I was going to say, is there a counting section at the end? But you're saying they're all electronic. Um, if they break, are there paper backups? Yeah, there's a little, there's a little um, dock at the prints out the side. <laughs> yeah. You have to grab it. So, you have to be- So, people have to grab them. It's not like it just prints it out and goes into a container to be counted later. It literally prints out the side like a receipt printer. Yep. And you, your, your people have to go along and collect them before they get too long. Oh, because it's- s- I'm, I'm actually thinking that because it's a- um, Because it's a- uh, what's it called? Um, because it's an electronic system. Maybe mm. where you're standing, if you turn around, there's a docker printer right there. And each person's vote that comes through, it doesn't actually say their name or anything like that. It just has- No, it just, like, tallies them. It has who who they voted for, but it doesn't actually have their name or anything on it. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. you know, relatively um, secure. <laughs> relatively. Until there's someone there in a quiet period and they're the only person <laughs> voting <laughs> at that point. <laughs> they, like, walk in, look around- Right look at in, you vote next for to Donald Trump and walk out. Look, at, look, next, look at you next to the docket printer- Sort of look a bit shifty, go in there, and as they go in there, behind you, you hear, <laughs> yeah, there's just like one more vote for the, the terrible candidate. <laughs> yes, Donald Trump in a local election. That's how far he's fallen. Okay, through to one click. Okay. Amphitheater. Trace. Trace. Yeah. Uh, so- <laughs> We've sort of done ones like this before, but like with amp- amphitheater, my mind obviously went to some sort of acting exercise or or, or something like actors on a stage. Um, I guess that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. But <laughs> Trace brought me to Overwatch. Um, as in Tracer. As in Tracer, <laughs> who can move themselves back in time, sort of, to where they were previously. Mm-hmm. So, maybe there's like- Maybe it's like a theater or a music- Like a, some sort of performance- but if you fuck something up, you can go back in time a little bit uh, to try to get sort of the best the best performance possible. It's like, fuck, I hit a, I hit a wrong note on the guitar. <laughs> Start from there. I guess that's just Guitar Hero with a rewind mechanic then. But. Yeah. Um, see, where my mind went, and I don't think it's any better, okay. was <laughs> as soon as I read Trace- I just thought of being one of those either the guys that that like trace the body in chalk, <laughs> and then I thought the amphitheater. Okay, there's someone that, someone who's been murdered. Yep, and you just happen to be first on scene, so you you draw in chalk around around the person. Okay, that's the opening scene. That's the opening scene of this intense narrative experience. I okay, I I like that someone's been murdered on stage, but because we do it too often. You don't play the investigating officer. No, you play the tracer. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> no, I don't think you play the tracer either. Because what are you going to do? Like, you're just going to follow- I think you should play- I think you should play one of the other actors or something. Um, maybe what happens is, like, <laughs> the scene opens and it, like, guides you to, to trace around this dead body on the floor. Like, you've just discovered them. Well, you just come in, there's this dead body on the floor, the tutorial tells you to trace around them, mm-hmm. and then the police come in and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? We don't do that, that's just in movies. And you find out that you're, like, the set designer and that's why you like to draw on things. <laughs> and then there are other drawing <laughs> mechanics in the game. <laughs> police just like, you've just contaminated a crime scene with your fucking chalk. 
Especially because it's not dustless chalk. It's no. You know, it's put lots of chalk dust all into all into this. It's actually it's like Cirque du Soleil. It's a Cirque du Soleil performance, and it's their fucking dust for grabbing onto like to keep their hands grippy or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just gone everywhere. <laughs> Clap your hands like they, in it, yeah, they, and like dust clouds go everywhere. Totally. They tried to just draw them around in, in, in chalk, but it's actually just that chalk dust. And so they ended up just covering the entire body. And so the chalk outline is just like when they lift the body up, there's no chalk where they were. <laughs> it's like a stencil. Okay. I'm trying to think, does this character, like, does this character, like, have something to do with the murder itself? So are they possibly a suspect? That'd be interesting if you play someone who's possibly a suspect. So not only are you sort of ending up finding things about the other people involved and like the director and the other actors and, um, you know, the, the person, the person who funded the production. But yeah, like maybe that's even the twist at the end. You're, you're the killer. It's a game. You never, you never find out, you never know who you are going into a game. No. And, um, you know, in a lot of, in a lot of, um, different stories, you've got something called Mm. an unreliable narrator. So it's pretty much the, they're trying to trying to you know say to themselves they they aren't the ones who did this when yeah. in reality they've just sort of blocked it out of their mind and well no I I kind of like the idea that this person did it and they know they did it and they're not sorry but the way that you like uh, uh like show the player these things is you've come in after the case of the murder when they've cleaned everything up and whatever the player's not going to suspect that the person they're playing is the murderer. <laughs> so, you're going around so-called investigating this thing from the player's point of view, but from the character's point of view, you're actually going around to find out who knows anything because you're going to fucking kill them too. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, um, it's in the third act when you realise that all, all, the, um, all the evidence is pointing to you and that's when you your character starts going, okay, so how are we going to pin it on someone else? Yeah, that's like- it. They finally let they finally <laughs> let some info drop that actually that actually like lets it out that they've been the, they were the killer the whole time. Uh that'd be that'd be kind of cool. I think it would give the player a real like shock to the system. <laughs> it's like, hey, huh, why didn't they tell me that, I, that I've got to deal deal with this? I wouldn't have investigated so well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you inadvertently, like, create your own evidence chain. Um, I, I like the idea of this being one of those games as well, though, where people will then want to go back and play it for a second time because you'll obviously drop all these clues in there that only mm-hmm. make sense once you know the twist. Yep. It's very sick, very sixth sense. Oh, jeez, that film had a lot of great clues. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I like the idea of doing a, doing a game like that. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Three to one. <laughs> Popularity. Acre. So it's set in the Hundred Acre Wood. Okay. Yep. And Tigger play- and Winnie the Pooh are holding a popularity co- contest. Yeah, maybe it's like a a bit of a like the, the sort of tropes of like those high school movies, and they're trying to do a makeover on Eeyore to turn him into a popular kid. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Winnie the Pooh bets that, that bets Tigger that he could, he can't you know a honeypot or whatever um that he. He can't make Eeyore the most popular kid in, or most in the, popular animal most, in the Hundred Acre Wood. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus. Wait, which way would this go? Which way would this go? I think it'd be more like Tigger bets Winnie the Pooh that he can't. Okay. Is that what you said? No, you said the other way. I said so, it the other way around. Because I feel like Tigger's more like the asshole jock and Winnie the Pooh is sort of the- po- He's actually the nice guy, but he's popular and he- He's, and he, so he sort of does what the other guys tell him to do. So it's that whole thing of like, he ends up really liking Eeyore, but then can't tell him that it's a bet and that's why he's been hanging out with him. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's got to be, it's all for that honeypot though. Like, that's- Well, that's it. He wants the honeypot. Yeah. I mean, that's- Keep the eye on the prize. Um, who would do anything for that honeypot? So Christopher Robin's obviously got to come in at some start, some stage. Yep. Is, is, yep. Is he like the what judge? Sort of role. Yeah, I guess because they're all his toys, right? They 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 want to be like they want to be popular to him, mm-hmm. and you know he never plays with Eeyore because Eeyore's a bit of a stick in the mud. Okay, so now that we've got the premise, yeah, how do you play it? Uh, <laughs> good question. <laughs> um, I usually do that to you. I know. So what's the gameplay? I mean, I mean, it sort of just feel like some sort of it's obviously heavily narrative. Do you play as 
Winnie the Pooh, or do you play as like Piglet or something who's kind of watching this go down and interacting with people and running around in the Hundred Acre Wood with a bit of a you know quest quest to do like fetch, oh, quests, sort of like fetch and, quests and shit. Yeah, yeah, and just just to sort of give you a sense of the space and the people there and and where you are in the story. Yeah, maybe sort of similar to the newer. The new King's Quest games. Oh, yep, yep. Yeah, where there's a lot of sort of cutscene story stuff, uh, and in between you just solve relatively straightforward um, action-based or or inventory-based puzzles yep. that aren't super complex. Yeah, that works well. Um, I like the idea of there being like one or two times that you take over um, Winnie the Pooh because I really want an oh bother button <laughs> <laughs> that you can just oh, bother. Oh bother! Oh bother! <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, you know, you, you're running, you're running down the road, just going, just clicking it as fast as you can. <laughs> oh bother! Oh bother! Oh bother! Yeah, we'll have to get what's his name in to record. Oh bother! In a bunch of different ways. No, just get Kevin Smith to do it. He does a pretty good job of it nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, and so. What are the what are the things that Winnie the Pooh does to like try to um, try to try to bring Eeyore and make him more popular? Like, what is what is it about a toy that that makes Christopher and Robin like them that they try to sort of force onto Eeyore against his will, basically? Or um, against his, I like the idea his character. that Eeyore is rather dirty at the start, so it's yep. literally clean down um, a bow. Um, well, he's usually got a bow in his tail anyway, doesn't he? Yeah, but a, a clean bow. Like, right, a new a new shiny bow sequence. Yep. Bedazzled. Bedazzled, yep. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, look- to, Need to get a mani-pedicure, you know, it's like yeah, mani-pedicure. Yeah. I mean, look, there's, there's definitely the makeover scene, but I think there's a bit, bit like, there's the, there's the sort of start where Winnie the Pooh's sort of- um, trying to build up his trust, um, you know, get get it, go to things that Eeyore likes, because uh, because remember, you know, the, the trope in these movies is always the main character starts really getting to like the person that they that they were originally just sort of trying to prank or trying to, you know, yep. they were making fun of, and yeah, it all leads to the makeover, and of course, so then you've got Piglets running off to find the sequence and and the bloody bedazzler and and whatever. Hmm. Um, and that's yep. all leading to that scene, of course, where Winnie the Pooh's waiting and Eeyore comes out and he's all done up and Winnie the Pooh's mouth just drops because he's so, looks so amazing and he shakes yep. his ass and that new tail pinned onto his butt <laughs> swings back and forth as he lets it out. Ooh, it flies and it comes loose and <laughs> flies off and hits Winnie the Pooh in the face and he's just got that like a gape look as he picks this tail with the bedazzled bow off his head. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Should we do this, Winnie the Pooh? Let's do it. Let's do it, motherfucker. <laughs> let's, let's go to the party. I'm popular now. <laughs> I don't want to hang out with you anymore. You're not popular enough. <laughs> But then, of course, someone lets it slip. Probably, I don't know, rabbit. That it was a bet the whole time. Either rabbit and or I'm seeing that maybe the maybe the owl the, or maybe the gopher pops up. Hey, Eeyore, it was it was uh, a bet the whole time. He does he doesn't really like you. <laughs> <laughs> that that's when he goes back into his depressed state. Yeah, is okay. this true, Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> oh, oh, Eeyore. But I like you now. All right. <laughs> I can't read one click. <laughs> the poo impressions. I think my ear was okay. 14th. 50. <laughs> <laughs> so the 14th 50 is uh, 700. <laughs> um, right? I don't know. So I was actually thinking the 14th century and the 50th year. Okay. Okay. So, so 14th 13. century is what? Yeah. Thir- 1350. Um, right. What happened in 1350? Was that around the plague? I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Started on a Friday. Yep, Black Death, 1350. <laughs> Jesus, you definitely know your history uh, better than I do. Black Death first appears in Scotland. 1347 to 1351. So, awesome. Um, okay. So, it's an, yet again another narrative game. And right. it's just the story of a farmer and his family and- they um he finds out that his his um his young son has um caught the plague from okay. what what they what they believe to be the rats. Mm. 
I kind of like the idea that maybe the um maybe the father is a rat catcher. Okay, maybe they are rats. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know whether we'd like tell a story about the Black Plague where just rats take the place of humans, as in anthropomorphic rats play like they just. It's not that they are rats in a human world; they're just it's a rat world. Or we do rats in a human world during the plague from their point of view. When when you said they're rats, my mind immediately went to um, they're just a whole group of rats in in like a human suit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like three hundred rats <laughs> in human clothes. In human clothes, sort of like. <laughs> okay, I like I like this actually. Um, and it's obviously it's in 1350, and so rats are not very well liked at this point because they are believed to have been spreading this disease. Okay, okay, uh, I got it, I got it. Okay. <laughs> so in in the opening cutscene, you yep. see um, the father of the of the of the family. He goes out. He's a rat catcher. And he he basically gets accidentally killed by this group of rats. And so they- <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. I like the idea that, okay, you set him up as a rat catcher. He's like, okay, bye family. I'm going out. I need to make the small amount of money I could make today. I hope I don't get the, the plague. Yeah. He goes out and there's a stranger out there. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, hey, stranger, like, do you need help? The stranger doesn't answer. And, you know, he, he he's hesitant because this plague is going around. They don't really know much about it. He doesn't want to, he doesn't know what, what's happening here. Um, but he goes closer because he's, you know, he's a compassionate man and he wants to make sure that this person isn't in need of, of help. And maybe they're like faced away from him. <laughs> yeah. And he gets close. He's like, sir or madam or I don't know. Probably a woman, if we, do, like, just to- I feel like he'd be more likely to be really worried about someone dressed as a woman. She's got, the like, the bonnet on and stuff. I don't know, the historical bloody <laughs> <laughs> clothing. Uh, it gets close, and then, like, she turns around, and it's just this face full of rats. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like- they just, like, attack him. But they- I like the idea that they didn't mean to kill him, because then, then the next thing is they decide to actually disguise themselves as him, and- Sort of Octodad style, you know, basically oh, go back okay, and okay. pretend that they're actually looking after. So, are they actually infected with the Black Death? Like, how does he die then? Well, you know that rats themselves aren't actually- Didn't actually- ca- I know. Yeah, yeah it, was- it was the fleas that they've got on them. Um, but right. they don't realise that, you know, they're actually causing it. So, I, I like the idea that, you know, they've, they've been disguising themselves as person to person, as as you find out through backstory- as they go, but every every single family that they try to help end up all end up getting the um getting the black plague. So it's sort of right. their their story of of <laughs> okay <laughs> what's actually happening. So is it controlled in sort of an octo dad sort of way where you you almost like flow across the floor as like is it? I think we maybe did another con- uh, control mechanic like this, but is there a way to sort of loosen up? The rats grip on each other and then tighten it up again so that you're more human shaped. Yeah, I think I think you've got um, maybe a morale system that. Okay, um, you need to the, feed these hundreds of rats. If all the, if all the rats are, are well fed, then they're going to listen to um, what what you want them to do. But if if okay. not, then you get like groups of them, like your right leg just, go off, <laughs> just run off. Yeah, I love this idea that you're. <laughs> You finally found some food, you're making your way towards it, but morale is being lost, and so you're just losing, like, a few rats here and there. Just They just run out the pant leg and run away. <laughs> um, and it, like, makes you move everyone slower, because you kind of- you've got less rats to move this these clothes. Can you get down to one rat? Is it like a head rat? <laughs> like, literally, I, I, that rat is the head? I, I, th- I think you play the head rat. Okay, yeah. And your, your whole idea is if if- you know, in in the combat and um, bits and pieces, because I, I like the idea that um, during the story, like people come after you with like pitchforks and stuff, right? Like right. because they they realise that they maybe, think you're spreading maybe the plague, you go town to town or something like that. Yeah, but um, that's only when they when they realise that you're you're actually just a group of rats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so there's combat, you're saying? There's combat. Um, do you just like throw rats? <laughs> like, how does that work? 
Is it kind of? Uh, have I've, you seen? Have you seen the movie Storks? Has, has your son no. watched that? No. Okay. In the movie Storks, there's a really funny scene where there's this pack of wolves chasing after them, mm-hmm. and they just like go wolves form of boat, and they like all turn themselves into a <laughs> boat by like attaching to each other and stuff. Um, maybe the rats can do something like that. They can basically like take on the form of a hammer. And smash someone. <laughs> Just like rats go flying and then like scatter back, like scramble back into the into the body of this this beast. Okay. So what I like about that is maybe there's at certain points in the story you come across something that like is a massive hammer and you mm. see, you know, sort of like a blacksmith hitting down on it, and you as the head rat sort of realize, oh that's that's a that's a right. pretty cool you get idea. Your new so skills, yeah. You work out through like a small tutorial how to how to um you know, coerce the, the rats to get into that sort of thing and then now you've got a um you've got a hammer as one of your one of your tools, basically. One of your tools that you can, you can transform yep. into. Yeah, um, yeah. I kind of don't I, like the <laughs> idea of them being able to turn into a raft. <laughs> no, no. Well, well, that's end game, maybe. <laughs> they turn into a cure for the play. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I just like I, I love this idea of basically like a T one thousand, but but it's rats. <laughs> so, like it learns these new things it can turn into. <laughs> it, it walks up to some bars and moves through, but the clothes are left behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I kind of like the idea that you can, like, <laughs> I'm almost picturing this now as an open world thing where, like, you know how in Grand Theft Auto you can just come up to a car and, like, throw the person out yep. and get in the car? I like the idea that you can just come up to a person, pull them out of their clothes, and, like, take <laughs> over those clothes. Like, the rats just, just Hit, take over. Like Hitman 47. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's more just, like, they can be, you don't have to kill them or anything. No, you like just you- infect them with the plague. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be a side effect, but I mean, if you if all of, if someone walks up to you and all of a sudden rats come out of them and start like going into your clothes, you're probably going to get out of those clothes pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Either that, or the rats force you out of the clothes. And so, yeah, you just like you come up to someone, force them out of their clothes, they run off naked screaming, <laughs> but you got a new outfit. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> all right, three, two, one, click. Unfortunate pillar. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is just this is the Sims, except there's a bug where there's a pillar in the middle of the the house that you can't move. It's it's bugged out. You can't delete it. Uh, no, I don't know. Um, unfortunate pillar. Okay, I'm sort of getting a supernatural vibe from this. Mm. That like there's some scientists who have. Who have travelled to this new land and broken into like a, a tomb of of some sort? Okay, and there's like this weird engraving all over the the central pillar, and it's it's maybe about the unfortunate things that that befall this this group. So again, another narrative sort of game, but it's um, you play like a scientist who an archaeologist sort of. Sort of thing. So you can, you can sort of, you know, you, one of your tools is a brush and you can, you can use it to like brush away some of the dirt so you can see like the writing and, and that sort of stuff. And then you got to do some analysis and turn right. it more into, more into a, um, a supernatural curse investigation sort of thing. Okay. I like the idea of archaeologists finding a pillar mm-hmm. with some sort of supernatural curse. But I think what it is, and correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but there's a statue of a person mm-hmm. on the top of that pillar. Okay. And the archaeologist brushes away the dust and reads what's on there. And as they read it, this person comes to life. And hey, now what he, is this person? Well, there's someone who was cursed to be a statue. Mm-hmm. And occasionally that curse reasserts itself. <laughs> And if they see a pillar, they have an uncontrollable need to stand on top of it and pose, and they become a statue for a little while. (laughs) Oh, no, look, that doesn't have to be the gameplay, but I kind of like the idea. It's almost, uh, well, (laughs) the place I went was Encino Man. Um, (laughs) But I'm not sure we want to actually take inspiration from that specifically, but I just meant fish out of water story with this person from, I don't know. The Middle Ages, I guess. Okay. Or something. I, 
I like the idea that um, maybe it's this someone specific. Who maybe it's frozen. Um, is is actually not a bad guy or anything like that. He just happens no, no, to no. be fish out of water. Um, he's sort of like your guide to, like, um, they know a little bit about, a little bit more than what you know about the curse. Well, yeah, presumably. They should have some idea of why they were cursed. I like the idea that they're sort of like your sidekick as such throughout. All right, well, let's come up with the characters. Let's come up with the characters a bit. Yep. So, okay, a man has been cursed- in the past, mm-hmm. for some reason, to become a statue. Mm-hmm. I think the archaeologist that finds him is a woman. Yes. Who- Dr. Elaine- Bennis. <laughs> Sorry. That's the first place my mind went, and now I can't help but picture Elaine as an archaeologist. And it's a real, <laughs> now it's a real Seinfeld comedy situation. <laughs> the re- like the way she finds out about it is she like gets surprised by something, and she goes, get- out and pushes it and it falls over and breaks and the person comes out and it's Jerry. <laughs> no, okay. The archaeologist Elaine Roxworth. Yep. I like it. Uh, so she's got her team. She found out from her good friend Nathan Drake that there's a hidden <sighs> civilization. That's just a little- that's just a name drop. He's not in it. No. Um, um, is there another dr- drop of, uh, l- like, you see on the side, like, Lara Croft was here or something like that? Totally. Yeah. She's like, this is this was too heavy for me. I just left it here so someone else can find it. And uh, and also you see Indiana Jones's hat. <laughs> it's on the statue for no, for no reason. <laughs> you just left it there. <laughs> um, so Elaine comes and she finds the statue and she wakes this guy up and- she then it, it I mean there's got to be a bit of a comic comedy aspect to it right I think it's kind of a comedy action in a way like you're trying to find out what happened to him yep maybe you're trying to get the curse lifted I guess because he does keep turning into statues and so you get all these situations where like you know you've dressed him up in modern day clothes because you're trying to get him out of the country uh, and you're driving him across the border and he's fucking turned into a statue at the like right before you hit the border <laughs> and so you have to explain away through a dialogue tree why you've got a statue of a person in your passenger seat and how the fuck yep. did you get it in there? And why is your car leaning over to the side? Cause it's so heavy. Cause like I, a marble, I, I would, it's a marble love for there to be one of the, one of the options that, um, I was, I wanted to take the carpool lane. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, what, what unlocks the curse each time? Um, right. So there's a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, well, we'd sort of need to figure out why he was cursed, perhaps. Maybe he's like, maybe we can sort of make a bit of a statement. Maybe he's a real misogynist womanizer. And it was a woman who cursed him. And every time he thinks, like- Every every time he says something stupid, like, make me a sandwich- Bang. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like every time he's he's a misogynist asshole to someone, and it seems to happen a lot, he turns into a statue for a little while. And so right before they hit the border, he's like checking out her legs and says something gross and turns into a statue. Okay, so why does she want to unstatuize him if she's disgusted by this? Well, because he's from the past, like, she can find out so much about that time period that she's got someone- It's for her work, right? She's got someone who was there. So, what, can, what year is he from? Uh, I don't know years. <laughs> <laughs> My history's terrible. You know, the time with the stuff, the dinosaurs. No. <laughs> is he maybe, like, a 1930s or 1940s sort of- um, Around the time of Indiana Jones, sort of. Oh, I mean, I was thinking further back than that, but yeah, I mean, I guess. I, I kind of I like mean, the there 1950s are people who are, there are, him, there are, him having ex- like the 1950s <laughs> attitude of women should be in the kitchen and. Well, I'm pretty sure. Not that, I'm pretty sure that, we, that I'm pretty sure that attitude's been around for a couple of millennia before that, but um, but, but I mean, the, the that that defeats the purpose of it trying to def- like clear his curse though, because if she wanted to know more about the 1950s, she could go ask her granddad. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it turns out that it is her is her granddad. <laughs> Maybe there's a relationship. <laughs> well, look, let's do if we if maybe the 1850s. Maybe great it's granddad. a great 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 granddad or something um, who went missing or great great or whatever. Er- yeah, in this area. And it turns out he's a complete prick. But <laughs> but his family. What do you do? But it's family. Yeah. 
Okay, let's click it's, again. Yeah, okay. I guess that's good enough. Wait, wait. Well, how does it end? Does she clear the curse? I guess she should. Or maybe she just decides this is too much of an asshole, gets what she needs out of him, says says her goodbyes, and just like- Dusts him. As in <laughs> literally crumbles the, the statue that he turns into down to dust. <laughs> right. Yeah, fair enough. It's like, bye, Gramps. Bye, Grandpa. Good riddance. All right, let's click again. Corruption. Solitary. I thought you were about to say solitaire. <laughs> I was thinking of that. It's like, how do you do a version of solitaire that involves corruption? It's like if you put a th- if you put a three on a, a three of uh, clubs on a four of hearts, then it corrupts that card and that's spreading a disease. And okay, so it's based in a prison mm-hmm. where there's lots of corruption Presumably. up above. Um, so mostly from the people running the prison. Yes, well, and Is that what you meant? Yeah. at the very start of the game, you're a prisoner who gets sent to solitary confinement, mm-hmm. um, namely because they, um, the warden finds out that you're actually 100% innocent, a, a la um, Shawshank Redemption. Right. And you know how the uh, the character who, who can actually um, testify that, that he didn't actually do it and all that sort of stuff gets shot by the warden. Spoiler, spoiler. Um, I, th- I think that that... That could be sort of what's happened, that um, the warden has actually tipped his hand, that he's actually, he knows that he's innocent, but he's um, just a complete prick. So, it's all about your character escaping out of solitary confinement and escaping the prison. Okay. Uh, How? (laughs) How? Um, So, this could be be a um, sort of, I I like it being a third person action. Okay. That's going to get really boring at the beginning. (laughs) You're just like, all right, move in this direction. Oh, there's a wall. Okay, turn around. Let's see what's behind us. Oh, there's another wall. No, okay. So, so it's an action adventure. Obviously, it's, again, we're doing a very narrative heavy episode. That's fine. Yeah. Um, It's relatively story based at the beginning because, so you just, you, the first scene, you sort of wake up in solitary. Or, get, or you, you see yourself up, getting you thrown in. You wake up in, in solitary confinement and, you know, there's a couple of little tasks that you can do in there, like- Scratch the date in the wall. Maybe you've been allowed to bring a small rubber ball, so you throw the ball at the wall and catch right. it and, and that sort of stuff. And look, then, at your re- what, look at your Rita Hayworth poster. Yes. What, hap- what happens is it, it goes into a couple of days earlier and tells you you can, like, okay. do some of the stories. You play through, like, a bit of a flashback. Yeah. So basically, maybe the or maybe the whole game memento style is, is you just keep going back and back and back, leading up to that point of you being in solitary. And by the time you've played through all that, you know how to get out because <laughs> it's obvious. Then um, you've made you know who your friends are, you know who your enemies are, you know that they've set up that the fifth rock, the fifth brick from the left, is loose. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just when you said that it takes you back, I was I was thinking, well, maybe like you go back to the original crime, or you know, all the way back. I, I was and, just and, more and thinking up to that point. More thinking that um, just being able to tell tell the story as to why you're in solitary confinement, yeah. and also how you how you plan to get out. Then, of course, okay. once once time sort of makes its way up to you're now in solitary confinement you get um you actually get released at that point and now it's like now it's time to put all the plan that you've put into place through you know looking in the library and finding out that you know in your uh, best friend's cell there's actually you know a storeroom behind it so you can like work out how to how to get rid of some of the um, some of the okay. bricks. So and it's then, basically yeah. a okay. So it's a prison break game. That's fine. We don't have to do, we don't have to go all the way back. That just made me think of that. It could have kind of been a cool mechanic. But no, I like this idea that maybe maybe every time you're thrown into solitary, or maybe sort of each chapter starts with you being thrown into solitary or something. Um, but then you kind of flash back a bit to what what led up to it this time with the plan kind of being made like coming clearer every single time. So that the final time you get thrown into solitary, you actually escape from solitary. Yeah, like it's, that's where it's like that's this, I thought that you were going like to go with imp- it. <laughs> it's this impossible mistake, um, escape. Um, but yeah, like through all the previous flashbacks, it's you talking to people and figuring this out and setting it up, the chain of events that will allow you to do that. And, be cool. 
it turns out that it's only like solitary confinement cell three that you could possibly get out of. So you have to get like um, two other people to be thrown into solitary confinement before you yep. are. Yep, because yep, you look at the blueprints and like that's where the ventilation shaft is or whatever enters. And if you push on the third brick from from just underneath the, underneath the ventilation, um, it'll actually crumble something else. And I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And someone set something else up. You can like reach through some bars and grab a key. Or, I don't know. <laughs> we don't have to actually go through all the all the steps, but um, you can imagine how. Yeah, you can imagine how that could come together. Yep. Uh, that's cool. Um, is there a like a long tunnel that they have to they have to, <laughs> have like, to crawl through? Crawl through, and then Morgan Freeman comes over at the end and is like, "Andy Dufresne, crawl <laughs> through a river of shit." <laughs> totally, it's just literally Morgan Freeman. It's actually he's not in it other than that. He just has that one line, <laughs> and it's full, and weirdly, it's like it's full motion video that they've overlaid onto the rendered game. It's very odd. Also, because your character's name isn't even Andy Dufresne. Like, they just threw this weird Shawshank, like, reference in there that's so blatant. Like, why would they do that? <laughs> All right. Three, two, okay. and click. Yeah. Footprint. Foam. Foam. Yes. Hmm. Foam footprint. Is this a game where you have to fake Bigfoot? <laughs> Like, you have to convince people that Bigfoot is real. Okay. Yep. I think it's a game where you make money by fleecing tourists, yep. by convincing them that Bigfoot and perhaps other cryptids <laughs> are, are real and that they that they just missed them <laughs> or that they managed to catch a blurry photograph of them. Um, okay. So, so, you have to, like- Maybe it's even sort of a bit of a buying and selling game. You have to find the right materials. It's like, oh, someone's selling uh, like a stuffed sloth. All right, I can use the fur from that. You know, I'll, I'll take its skull and and take its fur and like turn that into, uh, you know, the, the partial dead remains of, of a Bigfoot. And then I'll take some tourists out there and they can take photos of it. And yep. like the foam comes in because of course you just you create casts out of with foam like fake foam feet to create big feet Bigfoot footprints around. Yep. Um, but you know oh, you've, then, you've got to you've, you've could... got to get a good price on the foam. <laughs> yeah. It breaks apart very easily, and you don't. It's got to be good solid foam. You don't want to leave like little bits of foam around because that'll give it the game away. Um, I like I like the idea that maybe you've got to. Work out how to how to leave the right amount of tracks to to sort of have people go back, um, you know, sort of track it back to like not necessarily a cave, but like mm. a fork that sort of like then the tracks go off in both directions, and it's sort of right. like you know you've got to try and work out how to how to not totally screw up and and lead well, that's people you don't, back you to, don't want back to lead, your car. That's it exactly. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to lead leave bigfoot footprints to the back door of your house. Um, <laughs> and they come inside and see a big Bigfoot costume and um, photos of all the people with words saying, ha ha, suckers. So, I like the idea that this is related to another game that we've actually done in the past. Mm-hmm. There happens to be a lake with like- <laughs> Okay. With, with like um, a legendary swamp monster. Of course, it. of course. Yeah. And- And so, that's so one of the things- That's one of the things that you're trying to like fake. Yeah. But um, as an Easter egg, like you can actually, you can run into um, it. <laughs> you can run into like the the um, some of the fishermen. That right, they tell the stories about it. Yeah, yeah. So you you know how in that in that game, um, basically the swamp thing was going up against all the fishermen. Yes. Basically, you can you can see the fishermen buying bait at your right. shop. Right. It's, this, as it's the same down. characters. Yeah. It's the same was, characters. Yeah. Sure. That's a good idea. But yeah, I like um, the idea that you got to fake that too. So you got to find the right type of seaweed and like set it up so that it, when the, the people are looking, they see it for a second and then it gets sucked under the lake. It's like, oh, did you see it? It just yeah. dove under. Um, not realizing that the thing is actually real <laughs> and is actually yeah. killing all these. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's part of this story. I think that's maybe just an Easter egg. But we can. But we basically we'll create. We'll just ex- expand the lore around this creature. Maybe it's that maybe it's that you just you do it in a different lake. Like all the fishermen are telling you it's in that other lake, but you're like, ah, this one's closer, and, and the people don't care anyway. We'll just tell them it's in this lake. 
<laughs> um, uh, <laughs> so I guess I'm sort of like, what are we? Yeah, I, I like the idea of sort of having to buy and sell resources and setting up these different plans, and and obviously the better. Um, uh, the better stuff that you buy to to create these these false sightings, um, maybe the more money you're going to make, and so it's a bit of a, an economics game, but also obviously choosing the right spots and maybe you sort of discover new ways to do it as you go along, or new or new creatures to to, f- to fake these things of. But I like the idea that the more creatures that you have, the more chance that you'll get found out because you've got to set things up quicker. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, um, or you can like hire people on to help you, but they might have loose lips and give it away or, n- or not be as good at it if you want to try to expand your operation, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a That's lot. That's cool. And then the final level is like, or like the win condition is when you successfully convince the government that a UFO crashed. <laughs> Yeah, like that's the hardest people to convince and the, and the hardest thing to do. But it's splashed across newspapers the next day that they found alien life. <laughs> you're just like, ah, <laughs> they paid you three billion dollars for it. Yeah, but then the men in black actually turn up and totally <laughs> game starts over. New game plus. <laughs> new game plus. <laughs> right. Let's okay. click again. No, let's not click again. No. You no. have to figure out what New Game Plus is going to be? No, this is what I'm going to do to you, Ben. Oh. What game are you most anticipating? Because you <laughs> did it to me the other day, you prick. Fuck. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. Um, all right. All right. Let's do this one. I Look, I probably won't end up actually playing it that much, but the the trailer was intriguing, and it's Bioware, and it's got a name that we can do something interesting with. So, I'm going to go with Anthem. Okay, awesome. So, so do you wanna- throw away everything that you know about it, which, given that they haven't really released much about no, it- No, it's not much. <laughs> it's not much. <laughs> um, and yes, we'll come up with a new game idea based on the name, with the name being Anthem. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what comes to mind? Obviously, some sort of, um, you know, song, I guess, or like some sort of, yeah, like, I wonder how that comes into it in the real game. Anyway, that doesn't matter. We're throwing that away. Okay. I like the idea that this is- Intergalactic. Planetary, planetary, intergalactic, yep. So, basically what's happened is, in some of the earliest transmissions- um, Okay. Some- From Earth? Um, from Earth. Yeah. American scientists have sent out the, um, the national anthem. anthem of the United States of America. Yeah. Um, and I like the idea that you you end up getting, like, intergalactic space travel. Yep. And as you, as you travel from- from place to place. Basically, it's all these all these places that you end up visiting have sort of taken on the the anthem as as <laughs> to mean different things. <laughs> and and have sort of transformed their entire civilization around Okay, around this transmission of the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. What do you know about the Star Spangled Banner? <laughs> okay, let's Not much. let's get the lyrics up. Oh boy. Cuz I'm trying to think how people could could interpret this. Uh, is really that really in there? Hmm? Oh, I didn't realise they had In God Is Our Trust in the anthem. Um <laughs> Okay, let, let's let's change what it what it's yeah, um. I, I like the general I like the general idea. I'm not clever enough <laughs> to come up with interesting ways that the Star Spangled Banner could be interpreted. Um maybe it's the Australian anthem. <laughs> it's gonna be even worse. And, and and basically every single every single one has a different meaning for what Gert actually yes, is. Yes, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say, Trevor. I was literally gonna say that. Okay, I like this much better. So in this in this world, Australia in this universe, Australia has sent out one of the earliest powerful transmissions with their national anthem, Advanced Australia Fair. And as you travel to these places, these planets, you see the way that this has affected their cultures. And so, some of them have terraformed to turn their soil golden. Golden soil by, and wealth for time. Li- and they've, they've sort of taken it um, taken it different ways. So, some have, some have, like, put gold all the way down it. Some are just giving it gold showers. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it's a it's a it's a planet where everyone just pisses outside. 
Like they haven't, <laughs> they decided not the, to stop using toilets because this magical song came through the airwaves and told them that soil should be golden and our home is girt by <laughs> sea and we all know what that means. Piss on the ground. <laughs> and this other one is like, Everyone who, um, anyone who needs to be executed are drowned by sea because they thought the goats right. actually meant killed by sea. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff around the sea because girt is just, it's not a commonly known word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll toil with hearts and hands. And so, like, they literally sacrifice people and, and cut out their by ha- hearts ri- by ripping cut out their, their hearts, hearts and take hands. their hands off and fertilizing <laughs> the ground with them. Um, so they've, I mean, it works really well. They've got beautiful plants, but it's, it's a horrible place. Okay. Um, and then I don't know, what do they think Australia is? Cause like they say advanced Australia fair. Um, is it like, is it a fair? Do they, is, is, is this, is it one of the world's like the whole planet is just this traveling fair called Australia? <laughs> They've got they've got fucking Ferris wheels and merry-go-rounds and games and they just oh, they the circle, entire planet the entire planet is just circling like and and it's a pretty large population so it's not like there's a beginning and an end they're just constantly migrating across the planet it's one big circus one big fair kind of like um, if you know in um, the Star Wars universe you got Coruscant which is just yeah. like a global. <laughs> planet that is a city as well it's well, carny it's carny they're all carnies yes. <laughs> it's just a world full of carnies <laughs> the australia <laughs> fair the australia fair advancing across the planet endlessly oh uh, God. i want to go there no i don't anyway <laughs> i think on that horrific note planet of carnies we will end the show i think so so thank you for joining us this week everybody if you want to find us online, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, BitStormCast. On all of those, we have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash BitStorm. And we're on Podchaser. Check out our new search. It's awesome. Podchaser.com slash BitStorm. That's not the search. That's our page. But you know what I mean. We are on iTunes, where you can also rate and review us and also subscribe to us. We've got a website, BitStormCast.com. We'd like to plug our friends at the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. To search for AGPN on Twitter or search for the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook and join the public group and you'll see us and a whole heap of other people. They're all awesome. All have awesome podcasts. Check them out. Finally, we'd like to thank us in Kuradust <laughs> <laughs> for the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. That's right. And so, again, thank you for joining us this week. I am Ben Slinger. I am Trevor Scott. See you next week. Oh, bother. Thank you.